Hello, beautiful people. Live show announcement. Yes, in this age of all this, the original cast is doing a live show presented by Lati Do, August 31st, 7 p.m. Eastern on Zoom. The link will be posted on our Facebook page, so make sure you go to facebook.com slash originalcastpod and smash that like button, as the kids say, so you don't miss it. The show will be me talking and singing and feature guest vocalist Alex DeBard. We'll be singing some songs by Michael Fink, Stephen Sondheim, Bakken Harnick, me, Ben Folds, yes I said me, and double EGOT winner Robert Lopez. Lati Do presents the original cast live August 31st, 7pm Eastern on Zoom, facebook.com slash originalcastpod for the link. Before we get started, I need to thank a new Patreon patron. Thank you, Charlie Muller, for becoming a patron of the original cast. And I think that I speak for everyone when I say that I'm sure a large portion of the reason that you did this was the sonorous sound of my voice and how much you thought, gosh, I just have to throw money at that sonorous voice. I just have to, that's just what the voice tells me to do. And the voice does tell you to do that, but it also tells you that if you become a patron of the Original Cast Pod by going to patreon.com slash originalcastpod, you will receive the free bonus monthly podcast, the Original Cast of the Movies, that isn't actually free. You do have to pay for it. You have to become a patron to, to get it. But when you get it, Nanny. There's like 31 episodes at this point, I think, and we're just going to keep on going. This month, it's Can't Stop the Music, the Village People movie. It's a real movie, by the way. Somebody told me they didn't think it was a real movie. It's a real Hollywood motion picture produced by professionals starring the Village People, Valerie Perrine, Steve Gutenberg, Baby June, you know, from Gypsy, the real person, the real Baby June is in this movie. That's all I'm going to say. Go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod, become a patron, listen to us talk about Robbie Rizal, Rob Schneider, and me talk about Can't Stop the Music, starring Baby June Havoc. All right, here's the show. It is really like a series of poor decisions wind up. Whoa. That was terrifying. A car alarm is now going off because of that (laughs) bolt of lightning. Wow. It is... Was, oh my, that was intense. Huh. So anyway, waitress. <laughs> Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is an actor, singer, and a songwriter. It's Christian Douglas, Thank everybody, you so much. Hello, hello. for coming along. Great Christian to be here. is the, I should have mentioned in the intro there, uh, artist in residence at the Strathmore Mansion here in Washington, D.C. Um, yeah. One of one of six yes. of this year's 2020 class, which is uh, uh, this year, I think, been an especially interesting interesting experience. We will uh, <laughs> sure we'll <laughs> definitely has. get to that. <laughs> um, but before we do, you're here to talk about the cast album for Waitress.
Waitress. Yes, Sarah Bareilles' yes. Waitress. How did Waitress come into your life? Well, I've been a, a super mega ultra fan of Sarah Bareilles for a while. Um, basically, all through high school, she was my, and now, for forever, my songwriting mm -hmm. crush and just like inspired me to, to write music. And um, musical theater kind of came into my life a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And then when I heard the word that she was writing a musical, it was like, <laughs> get out of town. I'm, I gotta <laughs> be a part of that in some way. Um, so yeah, I, I, um, when the cast album came out, I just kind of listened to it like crazy. And then I went and saw the show like three times. <laughs> oh, wow. And, um, yeah, there's something about it. Just like her writing, mixed with the story um, and the humanity of it that I just, that was really infectious to me. So I just mm. kind of, I just got um, wrapped up in it, I guess. Do you have a clue of what it was that specifically got you about this, this show? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I really love shows um, that have like a, that it's like simple. It's just it's just people yeah. living mm -hmm. lives. It's normal normal people stuff and normal people struggles, um, but told in such a way that I think Sarah Bareilles's writing um, just gets to the heart of the humanity of it. And even if I'm you know I've never been pregnant and had you know been a you know <laughs> obviously <laughs> the, the the details of the story kind of. Um, it's like I even I just find myself relating to Jenna. It's like how, mm -hmm. because of her writing, you know. It's just it makes it so relatable and so human that you kind of can't help but but empathize and feel her story and her pain and her joy. Yeah, it is a very that's an interesting way to put it. I had but I think you're absolutely right. There isn't. I I agree. I find average stories stories about ordinary people relatable. Very very much more compelling than yeah sort of more fantastical or more operatic stories which are great in their own like way. a wicked into the woods sort of i mean yes but e even those, those are great but <laughs> right tremendous shows no no one's questioning yeah, I, no <laughs> not at pick, all i think you pick two that you'll find no argument from anybody and on i'm not point. going to argue i love them right but there you is know. something about especially in a musical i like a musical it's like why um company is like one of my favorite shows because mm, it is just really totally. just about people just being people and and the yeah. the fact that it the the musical can kind of elevate their everyday problems into something first of all very emotional but then also very relatable. yeah yeah i think in, as an audience it's so it, whatever you've got going on in your life mm -hmm. that is like that in in some way like for waitress it's like if, if you've got something where you're stuck where you've lost yourself where you feel trapped you know everybody's felt those kinds of things and the way that the story's told and the way it's written musically just hit you right in the heart for whatever you're dealing with in that moment mm -hmm. you know that you know jenna and her struggles are just sort of like this canvas for you to then paint your own story over in your mind you know I think it's beautifully done by Ms. Barillas. Yes. <laughs> she is also a writer, as you said that, it occurred to me that she's a writer a lot like um, 
I think Ben Folds falls in this category too. And obviously the two of them mm-hmm. collaborated where the, her songs were already very theatrical. They're very totally. sort of like one act plays all to themselves. Yeah, and so when she did, when someone said she's writing a musical, I remember first heard that I was like, well, that makes absolute sense. I think that makes perfect yeah. sense. And I think she really took to the form like a duck to water and I'm really mm-hmm. excited to, I'm actually more excited to see what her next show is because yeah. I feel like now that she's done one and it's been a success, she can kind of do whatever, you know, she can kind of, she's done it once, she's got it in her bones a little bit and then she can go off and do it. And that, those are the kind of things I'm always so interested in when people, yeah, their second time out after a, after a hit. Cause it was a hit. Yeah, that's I mean, tough too though. Like I would mm-hmm. imagine for her as a writer, you know, it's like anybody who comes out with, um, it's funny, I was just reading uh, Big Magic by uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, mm-hmm. who wrote You Pray Love. Yes. And it's kind of all about the creative process and the struggle of fear and all the things. And like that second project, that it's like this scary, scary thing because mm-hmm. you've had this immense success. So I, I would imagine, I wonder how quickly she'll kind of like dive back into it well, or, you know, kind of be like, Oof, yeah. that was so hard. Like writing a musical, that was my entire life. Let me just let, let me just ride that let a little bit. Ride this out for a while and see what it is. Yeah. Well, she does have other things to do. I mean, she does have a very yeah. successful career and a touring career. Obviously now life is in kind of a reset. So maybe everything's kind of a do over at this point. Yeah, in the- yeah that's true. <laughs> everything's so, all jacked up. When did you start writing music? When did that become part of your life? Um, back when I was a wee tyke, it's not that wee, but I was uh, <laughs> like 13 or so, 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote my first <laughs> overly melancholy love song involving rain and unrequited love. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I was a deeply <laughs> sensitive 13 year old. Um, it was like about i think it was like sitting here watching the rain fall down it was like <laughs> it was like wow. it started that was an opening lyric right what you know yeah right what you know but yeah that was kind of it started and i i remember i um surprisingly had the the gumption to go and do it for my um my talent show i think in eighth grade oh wow. and it was really surprised like everybody really liked it and it was my first kind of like external validation of this thing that i had just kind of decided to do that totally mm-hmm. came from my heart was then met with people going like oh wow that was really cool mm-hmm. um so that was kind of a formative moment as a as a performer and as a songwriter too that like this thing that i created um didn't totally suck <laughs> so that was like <laughs> ah okay i'm not like the best ever but like it wasn't bad so that's a, that's a start <laughs> That is a bold thing to do, though, to perform that, especially eighth grade. I mean, that's middle school. That's like the worst time of your life. And you were out there like really, really doing it. Were you a performer before that? I really wasn't. I mean, I I think um, I had, you know, I had done like piano Mm -hmm. recitals and which I hated. I hated performing on the piano. Um, (laughs) And I had sung like a solo in the in like the choir. Mm-hmm. because I had started in, in the choir in middle school, but I had never done, like I wasn't a performer by any means and not in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so l- looking back, I, if I were in eighth grade now, pff, I would not do that. 
<laughs> get out of here. I well, just it'd be all song. over TikTok. I mean, it would be. That's you know. right. The TikTok. That's what the kids are doing. Um, yeah. So that was a, a starting moment for me. And then uh, it just sort of it blossomed slowly, kind of a slow mm. burn um, to now where I feel like I consider I can actually consider myself to be a writer. And that's like something I do. Mm. Um, but in high school, it was more. You know, I wrote love songs for my my first love, and that was kind of like how I expressed my my deep passion. <laughs> how were they um, received? Out of curiosity, usually with tears of joy and oh, good <laughs> love and things. <laughs> good. That, that's what, well. That's what you want, right? <laughs> At least I think they were of joy. That's, oh, that's my. <laughs> Not like dear God. Let's just say they were. Let's just say they (laughs) were. Let's not let's not dwell on that too much. Nostalgia. Let's say right. (laughs) (laughs) So well, so if it was a slower burn, I mentioned you just said something that was really interesting to me because it's something I've wrestled with myself as a as a Mm. playwright. But that this thing of calling yourself a writer, being comfortable with saying, "This is this is something I do." What did it take to really get you up over that? that hump when people be like, Oh, this is Christian. He writes songs. You're like, Oh, I dabble, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've done that. I've said that a couple times. I'm sure you have. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, I I don't know. It's something I sort of do. It's something I play with. It's nothing serious. They're probably right. (laughs) I'll play you one or I could not play one. They're probably terrible. You know, that kind of like, exactly. Constantly (laughs) making excuses and downplaying everything you do. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I started writing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, like intentionally, uh, Mm -hmm. And I credit, I have a friend, um, one of my best friends named Andre McRae. He's a, a fantastic musical theater writer. Um, he's a part of the BMI workshop up at, in New York. Um, but I met him randomly, not that random in my life, in the Army Chorus. Um, mm. He is also a member. Um, and strangely, like also this musical theater loving writer in the Army. Mm-hmm. What? why is that where we met you know um but we became friends and he um really started to encourage me to to write uh more often to kind of the way he put it was that you have a seed and it's kind of your choice of whether or not you want to water it um Mm. and that was really impactful for me like oh snap like Mm -hmm. yeah if i want it's like a choice of if if songwriting is something that i love and I want it to be more than just, a, yeah, well, you know, maybe I read a song here and there that it's like, oh, no, um, let me let me uh, make this more intentional. And so um, we started doing a weekly songwriting deadline back, oh, okay. you know, maybe a, a year, two or two years ago. Mm-hmm. So pretty consistently every every week we send each other a new song, um, music and lyrics or sometimes I'll, I'll set a poem. Um mm-hmm. But so I started, I started doing that and, and um, seeing the fruits of my labor, I kind of started feeling more confident and saying, well, clearly <laughs> I'm a writer because I have all these songs that <laughs> I have I've written, written yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. That'll do it. it. It sounds pretty simple, but I think the act of just writing in like, that's a good way of putting it intentionally, like really deciding yeah. to do it makes you feel like you're a writer instead of it's just a hobby it's it's something you actually actually do yeah Uh, and i think it's the finishing of work too like mm -hmm. a lot of times as a writer uh, you know i remember 
when I was younger, you have all these little ideas or nuggets that you start and then um, for whatever reason, it's too hard, it takes too long, you're too afraid of messing up the good idea that you Mm -hmm. started. Um, then you don't actually see it through. And so I think that's the other point, the key point of when you see something through and you can then look at it in completion, then you're more inclined to say, ah, look at this thing that I made rather than saying, you know, oh, I have little ideas, but they're not, you know, kind of fleshed out. I think that's helpful. It, it, it's one of, I think, a universal truth about whether you write songs, poems, prose, yeah. whatever you write, that. <clears throat> starting is easy and finishing mm. is unbelievably hard which is the i think yes. the opposite of what we kind of teach people is like oh that's like it's the blank page gotta you just got to get that yeah. first thing down and it'll go it's like it's absolutely that's the that's the falsest thing i've ever heard yeah, that's incorrect. Can start. it's like the spongebob yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you watch spongebob but there's an episode where he um he has an assignment Mm-hmm. for like the driving school or something and he's like there's a scene where he's feverishly writing and scribbling and then at the end of it you see the page like the smoke the dust clears and it just is this highly elaborate the <laughs> <laughs> like a calligraphy like beautiful artistic the yeah he's like well i did it and then he right. like, goes and continues to procrastinate <laughs> it's like the perfect analogy like well you it really is. started right. it didn't you mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you've really we've got something here. (laughs) (laughs) Now, procrastinating Uh, is an important part of the process. I don't want to put down procrastinating, but sure, I'm a I'm a pro. Yeah, yeah. I think I think every writer is an excellent procrastinator at heart, for sure. But yeah, finishing is the. So I literally just had this conversation with with a a young woman who 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 is starting writing, and she she said she's Mm. got all these things she started and but she hadn't finished anything yet. And I was like, you got to finish something. You just got to fin- finish anything. Yep. It doesn't have to be good. Just finish it. And you'll That's get that the thing, like, yeah. little feeling. And you're like, oh, that was good. Now, now put that away and and finish something else. This yeah. is, I've never asked this question of a songwriter before, but this is something that just uh, popped into my head. Is uh-huh. is what I, I find when one of the things you have to get over when you're uh, a playwright or, or e- I think even a screenwriter, any of that sort of thing, is that the idea when finished on the page is never exactly as good as it was when you conceived of the idea in your head, mm. that it's always, your imagination is always superior to the, the finished page because your imagination sure. fills in a lot of gaps and things like that. Is there a sense of that when you write songs and you're like, well, it's just not exactly mm. what I wanted it to be, but it's, it's you're still very good. Like it's still good or it's even maybe better than I thought it was going to be, but it's not quite yeah. that thing that I was toying with. That's interesting. Um, I think for me, at least as a songwriter, I don't know that I know what it's going to be Mm -hmm. like going into it. So I don't often have like a grand plan for a song, like Mm -hmm. this, this destination that I'm trying to reach. It's sort of like I'm uncovering stuff as I go. Mm -hmm. And so then the, the finished product is kind of just what it is and sometimes i'm pleasantly surprised and sometimes i'm like well that was blame um (laughs) but i think it it tends to be like this generally songwriting for me is just like a series of pleasant surprises (laughs) Mm. um sure that just sort of like whatever creative energy the muse i guess we'll call it 
It's like, mm-hmm. hey, what about this? And you're like, oh, snap, that's fantastic. <laughs> you know, like, and so you don't, you never totally know where it comes from. And mm-hmm. so I think that um, that's true too with like the, the vision and that may be different when you're like, you have a specific story that you want to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, maybe it's different in terms of like, I don't know. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that. And kind of the differences between. Yeah. Cause I mean, and... there's obviously, there obviously are differences, but I, I, I and I'm sure it diff, it's different writer to writer, songwriter, to songwriter, mm, playwright, totally. playwright. But that is a, a, an experience that I, I think people also have to get over as you, as you're a young writer is that you read something like, Oh no, it was so much better when I thought like, Oh, it's not, even if it's that thing of saying like, no, no, it's no good. Like, Oh, I wrote this, but it's no good. Don't worry about it. I mean, read it or listen to it, but don't hate it or do yeah. it. Like whatever. It's nothing. All yeah. that dismissiveness. <laughs> it, that is very similar. <laughs> yeah. I, that's... that's a good laugh of recognition of recognition. You just gave me a laugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like um, preach. That's exactly it. <laughs> where does that come from, Christian? I don't understand because it's, it's I don't this know. funny. It's such a funny thing that we have to be arrogant enough to create this thing and then think you should hear it. Like I've created this thing and it's worth your time. But we also, yeah. I think, to be good people need to be humble enough to be like, I mean, whatever. You know, like 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 it's not, you know, we're not like those people on the on the American Idol auditions who storm into the room and say, I'm the best, you know, and then they storm like, out. I'm gonna win this thing. Audition. My right. mom thinks right. I'm the best. Told me and right. <laughs> and it, it's such a weird, horrible. Yeah, it's such a weird tug of war it feels like to mm-hmm. me that where you have to like balance those two those two pieces of yourself and you've gotten to the point where you are like you know you're an artist in residence at Strathmore you're performing a lot and and working on an album right now which we'll certainly talk about um how does how do you how does that work for you how does that sort of like sharing your work has that gotten easier over time or is, is it just sort of like is it always a little bit of a struggle to be like here listen to this and kind of shove it <laughs> Yeah. yeah that's so that's such a good question and it's like i feel like i have two different answers like there's a part of me that that genuinely feels like a confidence of like yeah this is a good song mm-hmm. like there's a there's a part of me that do, that really loves my work mm-hmm. um and that's the part of me that keeps me going like so therefore I should, you know, I'll put it out there because mm. I think other people might like it too. But then there's the part of me that's like, oh, but what if I suck though? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what if I, I'm so wrong about this and that yeah. it's just bad, you know? So, <laughs> so, you know, you kind of cushion, you try to cushion the blow for yourself Mm-hmm. By kind of being like, yeah, but it's not, you know, I just, I just wrote this. It was just kind of a, a random idea I had. Right. And, you know, it, like, <laughs> please tell me you love it, but also whatever, right. you know. <laughs> but like, if you don't, I've emotionally barricaded myself from you. So it won't be. Yeah, it's fine. Deal. I won't go home and cry and doubt my choices in life. Right, or forever and ever. That. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. It's <laughs> totally fine. I haven't disproportionately tied my self-worth into the next five minutes. Yeah. It, that's it, actually it, a huge thing. Like the something that I'm actively working on um, is, is the idea of the tying your self-worth to Mm. your art. Um, Mm. And that like the idea that um, like it doesn't, 
it doesn't have to be this huge weighty thing. Like there's mm-hmm. too much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess it's weight. Just like that. It, it's just art. It's just a song, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and if it's bad, quote unquote, you're still okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that you, that you'll keep going and continue to create because, um, it's like, it, it doesn't matter, but it matters infinitely at the same time, you know? Yeah. So like kind of balancing that idea and trying to just think like, eh, it's just a song, man. Um, right. so let me, let me just keep going <laughs> regardless. Well, it- because I think that being creative in that way, in, in writing, and it wouldn't matter again, no matter what you're writing, is a series of paradoxes uh, uh, mm-hmm. emotionally, it is, is that thing of learning how to take the compliment when they like it, but also learning yeah. how to gird yourself when you get a bad review or like these people like it, but this person doesn't. And it's just finding those yeah. balances can be almost impossible. And it actually goes to what you were saying uh, a little bit ago about Sarah Bareilles and the second musical you know great you've written a hit now what you know there is always this sort of right now what with the next right (laughs) with with every creative endeavor it's like oh when are you gonna work on your next show what's your next thing where are you next but you know you did that and Uh i always kind of feel that when people say that i'm like you know i just did this right this was like hard and long and took a while (laughs) like i'd like a break thank you very much not good enough for you people right i know what do you want from me you do feel that but also you you i think one of the reasons you can get defensive about that is because i'm thinking that i'm sitting in tech Uh of shows being like what is the next show going to be like, man, I better come up with that pretty fast before this opens and they figure out it's terrible, you know? So, yeah, that's the, that's the crux of it that you're, that's coming from you. <laughs> yes. And it is. And you even more, but you're even are out there even further than I am. I, I like, I feel like when I'm writing something as a playwright, you know, if the play is not going well, I can leave, you know, I can just walk out mm. of the building and like the actors will keep going and that's <laughs> what they signed on for. Um, no, and they have the deniability of being like, I didn't write it. But like yeah. you are as someone who writes songs and then performs those songs in front of people. Right. Like that is all There's you. no getting out of that one, is there? No, that is all you. <laughs> and and I, I greatly admire the sort of tenacity it's required for it. Yeah. And it, it's, the, it's the thing of really standing behind your work as, as not only your work as a songwriter, but your work as a performer. And I, it requires a, a certain kind of confidence and also a certain kind of humility to be kind of any good and a certain kind of vulnerability. You know, it's like I say, it's a lot of, a lot of paradoxes. <clears throat> yeah. So when, how did all these things come together for you? Because you've had such an interesting journey. It seems to me reading your bio on your website coming up through and then yeah. being in the, in the army, um, as a in the army chorus, and then you know, in, in and coming up, and now being an artist residence at, at Strathmore, it's such a interesting, twisty journey for you. Were you were you considering yeah, being a, a, a singer songwriter in when you were when you joined the armed forces, or was it? Yeah, was that a different sort of direction you were kind of thinking about? I mean, my life as a as a musician has kind of always existed in like multiple planes, uh, Mm. different styles and different, um, forms of expression. Um, so, you know, I went to the army course kind of came out of my direction that I went in college, which was uh, classical performance. Mm. Um, you know, so I studied opera and, um, 
learn to sing high and loud, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of like where my life was at, when I got out of college. And I had heard, being so close to D.C., I had heard about military bands and, mm-hmm. and uh, music, military music because all that's in D.C. And um, I heard that there was an opening for a tenor in the Army Chorus, and which is like a, a fantastic, stable job. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to go to basic training, but that's, right. a, you know, a little hurdle. Right. Um, you know, so, so that was kind of like where I was like, okay, this is making money. This is a job. This is singing. This is all the things, right? This is my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was still writing not as much um and so that kind of went away um and and everything else sort of faded away too but oddly in meeting my friend in the army chorus then like i had this realization that like oh my god i i'm totally neglecting myself as a writer Mm. and this is actually a huge part of who i am that i'm no longer in touch with um and so that was sort of a catalyst for me continuing to explore songwriting as well as exploring, um, realizing that I, I, there was this huge itch that I hadn't scratched in performing musical theater. Hmm. And um, yeah, something that was kind of a snowball effect for them and wanting to leave the army <laughs> ultimately. <laughs> so I was like, oh God, I can't do this for the next 20 years. I'm stuck. Help. I sure. want to make art. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Well, you you have you do have a um, an interesting music theater resume I found on your also on, and an opera uh, on mm-hmm. your on your website, including a lot. I mean, recently, obviously, having done the production of Newsies at Arena, uh, which is yeah, which was a big deal it was here. A blast. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it was it was a it was a, a tremendous amount of, of fun and and very well received production. So how how does yeah. Obviously, being you know, opera, vocal performance, these things are music theater adjacent, but they're not necessarily transferable skills. You know, we've all seen wonderful opera singers and act, and we've all you know, it's just part of the, the. It's a different emphasis in that sort of training. Yes. How did you slide into into acting on top of all these other <laughs> things? And of course, with Newsy, some oh, dancing man. as well. I would imagine. How does this? You know, I did do. Yeah, because I, I understudied Jack. So, right. um, and our Jack, oh man, Daniel J. <laughs> Maldonado, bless his heart. He's the bomb. <laughs> Shout out to Dan. But he's like a dancer. Yeah. A dancer, dancer. And so, uh, <laughs> our choreographer, our choreographer, Parker Essie, like put, especially at the beginning, put him in like every dance number. <laughs> And I'm sitting there like, oh, shit, like, I'm going to have to spend, like, so much extra time learning this choreo. Because um, I ended up I ended up going on, um, which was, like, the best experience I've ever had sure. as a performer. But, um, yeah, so I had to dance a bit. But, you're sorry, the, the, the point of your question, how did I kind of get into that? Um, yeah. I always – I did a production in, in college. Um, and unfortunately, it was like a, I had to make a deliberate kind of crossing over enemy lines sort of thing. That it was like there was this mm-hmm. music school and then there was the theater side. Oh, and yes. And it's so sad that there's not um, a marriage of the two because I think they can 
both sides can really learn from each other, you know? Um, yes, they can. And they should like, and, and they opinion. should, you know, because yeah. to me, my favorite musical theater performers are those who can like sing their face off, like, you know, mm-hmm. a Kelly O'Hara or a Brian Stokes Mitchell or a Norm, you know, mm-hmm. anybody who can just Jeremy Jordan, um, that you've got both, that it's mm-hmm. not just one or the other. Um, so I, I did spring awakening in college and kind of caught a little bit of the bug. And then when I graduated, I did, um, a production of dog fight at, um, mm-hmm. a little regional <clears throat> kind of community theater type place. And, um, I just always have been interested in a lot of different styles and sort of figured out belting and that based on my classical technique, I was able to kind of incorporate and and was able to hear like okay i'm not gonna like vibrato the crap out of this note Mm because that's just not stylistically good so Mm -hmm. um i kind of figured out how to how to just live in that style and then um when it came to newsies i i auditioned because i knew i was going to get out of the army and Mm -hmm. i started I, i went to the uh open call of signature and arena Mm-hmm. And um, I got some coaching from a, a local actor, Rachel Zampelli, who's the bomb. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we did a monologue and I went in for the EPA and then got called in for some shows, um, Newsies being one of them. And then it just was like, oh, snap, I'm in a, I'm going to be in a <laughs> production. Um, so I kind of like slipped and fell along the way and was thinking like, oh my gosh, I suck. And then. Uh, apparently I didn't totally suck and um, <laughs> that's like a real moral of the story of my life where like I'm convinced like dude you freaking blew it man you blew mm-hmm. it and I didn't blow it <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I should be more confident so you, you sort of yeah so you're sort of it seems like one of those people who's been kind of all over the place but always circling around this this common this thing this sort of performance Mm-hmm. storytelling because you know, songwriting is storytelling in a, in a very specifically and it seems like if you like Sarah Bareilles's music you you definitely like songs that have a point of view and tell stories even if it's even if they're right. character story you know what I mean like I mean her most famous song ever I, I guess would well it's hard to say I was going to say love song but it's probably um brave is a but our declaration songs they're they're attack songs almost they're you know songs right. of, of like with kind of like marching orders type music and uh so if that's the kind of what other what other kind of music were, were you listening to when you were also discovering sarah Bareilles? um my first uh my first love was sort of um listening to my my dad listening to um you know billy joel and Elton john Mm-hmm. And so those were kind of songs I learned to play on the piano. And, um, and then I discovered Ingrid Michaelson and I, mm. so about her, like she's so charming and the, the way that she sings is that has such an intimacy to it. Um, that I kind of, I think it was, I was maybe 14, 15, definitely in high school. And I kind of just fell in love with that kind of singer songwriter vibe. Mm. Um, and, you know, I remember her album, Girls and Boys, Boys and Girls, one of those. One of those. Um, I just listened to it so much because it had a, a charm to it and um, it was really infectious to me. Mm. And um, so actually I found her before I found Sarah. 
and then um sarah sarah right um okay. and then uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah those were kind of the two uh that got me the most that i listened to the most and that i i remember some of my earlier songs were very ingrid michelson like in the way that the piano mm. was kind of simple and mm-hmm. um you know well that's always where we start i mean is is you know you start imitating sort of mm-hmm. directly imitating what you love and then exactly you know hopefully find your own voice inside of that somewhere so you're not right, just in exactly. an angered michelson cover cover band for the rest of your life you're actually like writing or sound alike band even yeah. worse than cover band you're yeah you're exactly really good apart. so when when waitress came along as a show for for you but we, so i mean obviously the the characters relate like that that is something that 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 appealed to you but if you go see a show four times you know obviously there's three like, okay it was three, three. okay three I'm times not that crazy okay <laughs> that's the line if you see it more than three yeah, times three. Come on. Come you on. have a problem right now i'm not i'm not obsessive <laughs> uh <laughs> well it's because she she went into the role and so what am i gonna do that's see true it? what are you gonna do yeah it's a good point you had you had to go at that point like that's not that's yeah. yeah okay so really you saw it two times i mean if you think about it right? <laughs> yeah uh, yeah <laughs> and that's perfectly reasonable but there's got to be there have to be like a couple different things that that grab you to go back and see something that many times other other than Sarah Bareilles being the, the actress on stage and right. i'm really interested in what like what did you discover not just listening to it over and over again which obviously you would discover different things but seeing yeah. it more than than one time that sort of you know revealed itself to you huh that's a good question um well, it's, it, there are multiple layers to it because mm-hmm. the, the first layer being Sarah Bareilles. Um, the second being that the first time I saw it, my, not to get too personal, but the, the person I was with at the time, mm-hmm. we had a really strong connection with it. Um, mm. And so the show kind of started to be a part of my heart. <laughs> mm. um, mm-hmm. You know, so... Um, I love, there was a part of me that was like, I'm going to play the doctor at some point, you know? So like, um, I loved kind of watching that character and seeing the different, uh, the different doctors and their comedic timing or maybe less comedic timing. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, uh, the familiarity of the story that it kind of, you know, I knew it, but I saw it with a, a different cast every time. So that was a draw as well to kind of see different interpretations of it and the different Jennas and how, um, how they told her story in different ways. Um, mm. My favorite was, was Jesse in terms of, I just felt like she embodied mm-hmm. that character the best um, and combining kind of her, like this, this strength and this grit, but with also this beautiful, like innocence and this beauty, this softness with that as well. I thought that Jesse Mueller was just like the, you know, was perfect. she really is uh, of our modern sort of musical theater performance. I feel like she is vulnerable is the wrong word, but she's so open. You know, oh, every time yeah, I've seen her perform, it. she's just available. You know, she's like an mm-hmm. open wound up there and she can be, like you say, tough as nails and I totally buy it, but always behind it, there's this thing. And which is why I think um, 
seeing her perform um, She Used to Be Mine is just about one of the most devastating theatrical Sob performances. Fest 2020. And it's not what I asked for Sometimes life just slips in through a back door And carves out a person and makes you believe it's all true And now I got you Because it, it, it rarely do you have a marriage between performer and song that is so perfect. And I think it's also a testament to Sarah Bareilles' talent because as somebody who's written only for herself, and obviously she's performed that song and, and done yeah. a wonderful job with it, but to create a song that is so, I, I have to feel like there was a, that, that's such a good collaboration between performer and writer when it's like, oh, this, yeah. this woman can do the thing. Let's really like let's dig into this song and see like, yeah. how far can we push it? Cause it's not an easy song to perform. And I don't mean mm-hmm. musically, I mean, per, like acting wise, you've got to go totally. places. You, you got to, because there's nothing to, like the, the setting of it or the staging of it, you know, you got a couch. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and that's it. It's you baby. Like, yeah, you know, there's nothing, <laughs> there are no crutches, you know, it's, nope. And it's obviously it's perfect for the song, but yeah, it's totally, um, you know, in seeing the different, the different Jenna's mm-hmm. seeing them kind of tackle that in different ways. And even, even some like things maybe that they were falling back on acting wise, that wasn't quite as real and yeah. honest as I felt like Jesse Mueller was and sarah was great singing mm-hmm. why but even the act like you know obviously she's not an actor so it didn't it like had it was special because it was her right and it's still beautiful i can't i can't you know whatever it's always all great but um <laughs> well but you're th- there is a difference i mean the, the because it's that thing i think of you know great material is great material great songs are great songs doesn't really matter who's singing it as long as you hit all the notes and do the thing i'm gonna have a good time but there is something extra. I always say, like, I'm so glad I saw the original Broadway cast of Fun Home because mm, yes. I think every production of Fun Home I ever see, I'm going to love. It's, a, it's one of the most well-written musicals of all time. I think it's, it's, it's bulletproof. But there is something about having seen Judy Kuhn and Michael Cerveris and Sidney Lucas sing those songs that yeah. it makes it it's just a little bit intangibly superior to any other experience I'm ever going to have hearing those songs. There's no knock against anyone who's going to sing them later. You know, it's just, there's something about the way that, you know, they were there when they were written, they were there for the conception and they have a certain attachment 
and it was written for them in a certain way where it's like that will always be their song in in a totally specific way yeah so i don't think it's a knock against sarah Bareilles or anyone else who played jenna to say that like when jesse mueller sings she used to be mine it blew the doors off yeah it's kind of that that's the way it is you know with songs like that for sure no that's a great point that it's like it's theirs and anybody who comes after also is having to overcome like a yeah stepping into how do i make this my own whereas you know the other person like you said, you kind of, it is inherently their own, mm-hmm. you know, there's no, there's no, how do I make it different? So then a lot of times you get that overcompensation of like, I'm making this different because right. I'm different. And it's like, right. it doesn't quite hit the mark in terms of honesty, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that a big mistake performers can make is trying to make something different. It's like when you see exactly. you know, directors try to do something with a, a show that's mm-hmm. been done a lot. They try to bring their own stuff. Yeah, and it's really, no, if, if you do it, if you're authentic to the part or you're authentic to the script, if it's you, if it comes from you, then it and will be different. Do, yeah, there, oh, you, there he goes. All right. <laughs> you're a little bit more of an MT kid than we thought you were, I think, when this got started. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit of an MT kid. Yeah, yeah it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I wonder, though, when you talk about the waitress hat, you know, being about ordinary people and being authentic and something that I'm interested in for you as a writer also um, is the fact that this show has objectively, if you had to break it into binary, it has a happy ending. It doesn't have a sad ending, mm. but yeah. it is a bittersweet ending. There are portions. Right. She doesn't end up with the guy the the owner of the of the diner dies you know like there are real moments of heavy maturity things in life that we go through you know like older people die and like you don't always end up with the person you don't always get to be with the person you want to be with for for right and when she makes that call at the end of the show it is the correct call i was like she's making a very very mature decision yeah brave, brave decision but I wonder how much of that bittersweet ending is one of the things that kept you coming back over and over again, because I do feel like there's sort of a sense with, with bittersweet endings that makes us go, every time you sit down to watch it, if it's good enough, you kind of go, maybe this time it'll be completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> of course, it never is. Right. But right. is that something that connects with you as well as, 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 as a creative person, the sort of like slightly unresolved finale not completely resolved finale i should say yeah yeah i think i um i'm sure that's part of it for me i think i I love um i love the highs and lows of of that show Mm. you know the Mm -hmm. uh because of the way that it's so like life in in that sense that um that life is often so bittersweet and that we don't get all the things that we want. Um, you know, but, but along the way, there's this really great, um, you know, moments of real beauty, real intimacy, you know, like you matter to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that she doesn't end up with, with the doctor, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, cause you're, he's married. <laughs> you guys cheated with each other that's right. not great <laughs> not great 
Not great. Um, not great. Not great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Less than I ideal. <laughs> less than ideal, man. Less than ideal. So it was a bad idea, in fact, as you mm -hmm. clearly stated. <laughs> it was a bad idea. It, yes. Lots of bad um, ideas. Well, it's such a funny, like, I really have to say, I'm so impressed. And of course, a lot of this comes from the film. It, it's all, you know, from the mm -hmm. source material. But it is such yeah. an impressive story in that way for me, where it's just like a series of very poor decisions, increasingly poor decisions in some cases, but that add up to an ending that is where really everybody kind of should be. People are better off than when we met them. They went through some mm. tribulations. They went through a journey. You know, right. they, they found their place. But like Jenna is objectively better off at the end of the story than she is at the beginning, even though she is in no way where she saw herself or thought she right. wanted to be. And I have to imagine the doctor's better off than when the story started. Or, you know, but at maybe least he's gone he'll probably still get divorced, though. Probably still get divorced. <laughs> but maybe that's where he should be. You know what I mean? Like, just because. I think that's true, yeah. You know, just because it's a lot of things that, like, uh, and it's, it's good in the song, like, focus on the negative. It's, it's such a clever piece of, of, of lyric writing because it really is that thing of like, she did objectively, like at the, with the point, she did not want to be pregnant. She does not want to be married to that guy. Uh, you know, he, he, the doctor's in a bad relationship. Th this thing's not working here. That's not working there. And they all kind of coalesce into this finale of being like, this is what I needed to get to where I'm going. And now I have my daughter and I'm happy about that. The husband's yeah. gone. I'm happy about that. And right. it refocuses her in a really, really interesting way. And I like that it yeah. ends, but it also does sort of end where it began with opening up. We end up with yeah. this sort of other, other side. It's very cyclical that way. For me, the, like the idea that the idea of change, everything changes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when I'm when I first saw it, I was in a place where my life was changing, and that I I had things that I was kind of like, you know, I wasn't sure about and feeling stuck. And there's this um, there's something really cathartic when if there's a moment in that show when the the time signature like it doesn't quite change, but the beat emphasis changes. There's something that's just like, oh, yes, like it's this all I needed for the whole show. Like in that one little, you know, mm -hmm. one, that one little moment of um, kind of realizing, embracing this change in her life and the beauty of that change. You know, that's the moment sure. that once I saw it once, it's like, it was like this, this, high this release of emotion that felt so somehow relatable and cathartic for me as an audience member that um when i was posed with the option of seeing it again i was like yeah 
Let's do that. <laughs> you said, oh, twist my arm. Right. <laughs> oh, indeed. Yeah. Oh, but, um, I do want to talk a little bit, though, because speaking of cathartic releases, uh, you have been working on an album during this. I have. Yes. This dark time that we're in right now. Uh, yes. And it's called Inside Voices. Is that correct? Uh, yes, just one voice. Inside oh, voice. Inside voice. Gotcha. What What was the What was the inspiration for that? What was the to 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 make something in the middle of all this? It's a combination. I didn't I didn't really um, go into this whole time thinking. And now I'm going to write an album. Right. Um, but I was continuing to do my weekly songwriting. Mm. Um, I had written a song that was, you know kind of like tongue-in-cheek called stay inside i want to go i want to play i am a child on an endless rainy day i shouldn't hope i shouldn't whine i'm coping fine with my box of wine inside stay And that was sort of like the first thing that was related to the pandemic and it was earlier in it and we were all like lol we're inside ha, ha, ha. right and now we're like dear god um <laughs> but uh you know so it just i started writing songs um that were mildly that were topical that were exploring things that i was feeling um and then I started taking these songwriting lessons or sessions, if you will, with an artist called Becca Stevens, mm. who is this really fantastic uh, writer. And um, I started writing songs almost as assignments as part of this, uh, these sessions. And she gave me a lot of, um, you know, different ways to approach the same thing that I had been doing for, for these years, but just like, Okay, this week I want you to find a poem that you love and mm. I want you to write it a cappella. You know, mm. things like that. So that I was I stepped away from my piano and um kind of just followed my ears and mm. was like, okay, well, how do I want this to sound? And um so I started I just kept writing songs and they they were coming out in different styles and had different um you know, one of the poems was about this um the idea of give me all of this crap in the world, give me hunger, pain, and want, but leave me a little love was one of the lines. When I read it, I was like, oh, that's that feels like now. Mm -hmm. um, it's like this the person in the in the poem is is looking up at the stars coming out, and that this idea looking out the window at the stars, and that was this this love that he representing a little a little love that he was holding on to um and then there was another a shakespeare sonnet that was about um self-hate and hate uh to others and um or thou art so possessed with murderous hate and there's all these things that that kind of felt that i was landing on that felt um like now and that felt like things that i've been thinking now mm -hmm. and so i was like maybe i should um Maybe I've got an album brewing here, and so mm -hmm. I decided to um, follow that that path, give myself a project, 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so now uh, what started as a five song EP is now going to be a 10 song album (laughs) from this time. All songs written between now and March of this year. Mm. So, Wow. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty great. And you've just been doing that all by yourself? It started that way. And then, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I started recording all the stuff and I was using, um, doing a lot of vocal stuff. Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of, you know, three-part, four-part harmony, uh, you know, unique kind of oohs and ahs in the background filling out the arrangement. Um, But then I started kind of uh, reaching out to friends of mine who were, who I knew kind of had a, a good recording setup who play bass or guitar mm-hmm. or um, drums to kind of help me just because collaboration always elevates a project no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and Very I think true. it, um, you know, injecting new life and new um, their style and their ideas into this, these songs was, was helpful for me even to just to keep going because you get to a point with a project where it's like, is this even you know, like we were talking about before, is this even good? Is, is this, this anything? <laughs> yeah. Cause you just spend so much time, hours and hours and hours listening to these songs and they just become meaningless uh, mm-hmm. in a, in a way. And you only see the, the bad you only yeah. see, and you can't, you can't listen with fresh ears um, or it just becomes harder. So yeah, I'm, I'm, that was a, a wise choice to, uh, you know, reach out to my fellow very talented artists um a couple of whom are, are artists in residence so. uh wrapping up back to waitress though real fast what is your favorite song in waitress um you matter to me i think is my favorite um mm. i mean i yeah yeah i'm gonna go with mm-hmm. down to what my gut said um yeah i think it's just so perfect and beautiful mm. um you know, just this idea of it, it's often difficult to remember this. I, oh, yes, Whoa. God, do you have something yes, to say? Right. It's me, Margaret. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just think that song is so, it, it's, it's easy to forget that you matter sometimes, like in, mm-hmm. in a very simple way. And I think as, as artists, as sensitive folk that many of us are, um, and, and in a world that's so uh, social media driven and where you compare yourself all the time and you just can forget a, a simple fact that, that you matter and that somebody, that somebody cares about you mm-hmm. enough to, to tell you and look into your eyes and say, you matter and you're, and you're beautiful and I'm going to give you a hug. <laughs> You know, I just think there that's perfect. So Yeah, I love it. I love the sentiment. Uh, thank you so much, Christian. This was a lovely conversation. People can yeah, find absolutely. you at uh, christiandouglasmusic.com. That is correct. Instagram at christiandouglasmusic. Thanks so much. Great. This is so fun. Thank you. I could find the whole meaning of life in those sad eyes. They've seen things you never quite say. But I hear Come out of hiding I'm right here beside you And I'll stay there As long as you'll let me 
because you matter to me. Simple and plain and not much to ask from somebody. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at Unknown Penguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. My thanks to Christian Douglas for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Simple and plain and not much to ask from somebody